You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Coast to Coast Basketball Podcast. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley. I'm joined, as always, by Cheryl McMillan and Sean Moran. Guys, we're going to be breaking down the UNC versus Wofford game how the team can right the ship for this season. And then we're going to be wrapping this one up with some talk about recruiting and which UNC recruits and commits are going to be playing in the holiday high school basketball tournament. So we have a lot to cover. Let's go ahead and start it off, though, with a discussion about UNC's 64-68 to loss to the Wofford Terriers. Sean, let's get your thoughts on this one you were actually flying in in an airplane when this game was going on but you were still able to watch it I mean at the end of the day here why do you think Wofford was able to pull another upset over the Tar Heels yeah so I was actually going coast to coast from east coast back to the west coast and watching the game on the flight which uh, did not make for an enjoyable six-hour flight Uh, you know I think last week We were, by our mistake, talking about the Wofford game as though this was a guaranteed game they were going to win. And, you know, going into it, they were favored by 15 and a half points. And then all of a sudden you hear that uh, Leakey and Cole are are not playing and definitely was fairly concerned when I heard that, but still thought, you know, that they should win the game and it would be a good crowd in Carmichael. Uh, when they went up 42 to 39, you know, I, I thought, okay, here, here they go. They can make a run. But then Wofford came down, hit a three, and then they went on, on their run where they were just nailing in wide open threes. I know that was the really biggest concern. UNC was switching um, on the pick and roll for the most part throughout the game, but it still led to wide open threes. And here you had a team that uh, I think they're a top five in the country in terms of the amount of three pointers that they took. So they were going to be gunning and they certainly did taking 40 overall three point attempts. And I think around 62% of their points came from three. They only shot 35%. So it's not like they shot the lights out, but I think it was a mixture of, of their timely shooting. And just once again, the lack of uh, scoring ability with UNC. Um, I think we probably all thought UNC would have their way down low. Uh, but then you have Armando who went two for 14 and had one of his worst games of the season. Um, and then, you know, at the same time, six for 19, uh, 11 turnovers, et cetera. So a lot of causes and, and definitely not good going into the Gonzaga game at Gonzaga coming out this Wednesday. Yeah, we'll discuss the Gonzaga game here in just a little bit. Sherelle, as far as this matchup versus Wofford, it was really a contrast of style where the Terriers were going to do pretty much nothing except drive and then kick the ball out to open shooters, make UNC chase him around the perimeter. 
And they actually could have shot, I think, better than the 35% overall from three because they had a lot of open looks. But they took 40 to UNC's 19. Carolina tried to get the ball inside. But why do you think they were unsuccessful with really being able to punish a smaller opponent on the interior as Roy Williams always likes his teams to do? Well, you know, they always talk about going up strong and and making sure that you use your size to your advantage. And Carolina didn't do that. I thought um, Garrison Brooks, you know, he had a great game, but I thought he could have been a lot more aggressive in demanding the ball because um, you could tell that he was one of maybe two confident people out there for UNC playing today. So I think that's definitely a part of it. And just in general, the team has no confidence. And uh, well, I, I take that back. Yeah, I think Garrison Brooks played with confidence today. I'm not sure where his head is at overall, but it, they play as a unit like they just don't have confidence in their individual skills and then confidence in um, their uh, collective skills. So that that is troublesome and worrisome because especially when you're playing with a, you know, w- without two starters in, in Cole and Leaky, you can overcome that if you say, OK, you know, I, I believe we can do this. I, you know, I can hit a jump shot. Um, I can score in the paint. I, I can do this. You, you know, power of belief is a big thing. But conversely, when things start getting down and they start reverting to making mistakes and and losing their head mentally um, and just not focusing on the task at hand, um, that can kind of snowball. And they say, "Okay, this is what happened against Michigan and this is what happened um, uh, against Ohio State. And, you know, this is what happened in this game. And before you know it, you know, you've allowed a 16 to nothing run. And while the game isn't over, it's just too big of a hole for you to come back from. So to me, that was the biggest thing was, um, you know, just not being tough enough with the ball and then just the mental focus and the confidence just seemed to be lacking. Coach Williams talked about the confidence as well. And I think his quote went something along the lines of, if you want confidence, then just make a shot, which is something that, I mean, UNC just goes far too long struggling on offense and getting those easy buckets, you know, I think that one of the unfortunate guys that just had a terrible game was Justin Pierce. Sean, we've talked a lot already about the transfers and just how they were coming into the season with a lot of expectations. To this point, they have just not been able to meet those. And Christian Keeling, he played an okay game overall. But when you're looking at, I guess, kind of a bigger picture here, The fact that you had Cole Anthony on the bench, K.J. Smith, who played, I think, as well as he could have, he was thrust into this role. Was this a little bit of just too much placed on guys who have not yet had this experience? Do you think that that explains why UNC was struggling so bad in this particular game? Well, I mean, I I think the expectations for K.J. were, were, you know, probably in line. Uh, You know, he's a a walk-on coming from Pacific. So nobody thought he was going to set the world on fire and, you know, didn't have a, a great game, but he had four assists, two turnovers. So he kind of, you know, I, I'd say did his job. Uh, you had Christian Keeling who did score eight points and, you know, in little spurts looked like he was about to, you know, turn it on where he, he had the fast break layup and the the three pointer. Uh, but once again, another offensive rating game under a hundred for him. And then you had, Justin Pierce, who going into the game, I probably thought could have been extremely strong off the bench just because once again, you know, he's coming from William and Mary, the CAA, a low major conference where he was third team all conference. And here you have Wofford, who was ranked in the in the 120s coming in. So 
I thought similar to a UNC Wilmington or Elon that he would have felt comfortable and, and ready to go, but he only played 10 minutes, um, you know, did not really offer anything in, in this matchup. And Keeling, you know, I think for for him, he just struggles to finish inside and, and make some boneheaded plays. So I think overall it was, you know, not not to blame and make any excuses, but it was just a lack, as you said, of being able to make shots. And I think that Keeling or Pierce had that ability. They just didn't come to play, whether it was confidence or limited touches, um, you know, what have you. It was just kind of a disappointing second half, especially when they needed a bucket and they weren't able to get one. I think that's a good way to go ahead and probably put a bow on the Wofford game. I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is. I have a lot of notes written down, but I mean, when Carolina just shoots, you know, 36.5% overall from from the field, (laughs) there's not a whole lot of point to really dig much deeper than that, I feel like. Moving forward, though, Sherelle, with Cole Anthony not having a timetable for his return, Leaky Black being game to game, UNC plays Gonzaga later on this week. How can they possibly try to keep this entire season from spiraling into something that just becomes kind of that self-fulfilling prophecy of defeat? Well, you never want to go into a game thinking you're going to lose, but um, I don't think there's anyone outside of the Smith Center and probably most of the people in the Smith Center uh, believe they're going to lose on Wednesday. So, um, you know, that pushed them at six and five, I believe. And then after that, um, you, you have to hope that, uh, Cole gets healthy, whatever the issue is there, that maybe he can come back in a week or so or a couple of weeks, not to speculate. I have no idea or no inside info about what it is or how long it's going to take, but that that has to be the coaching staff's hope that this is, even though it's indefinitely, it's only one or two games. You know, Ar- Armando's was out indefinitely as well, and he didn't miss a game. So obviously that's a rare case, but if you're a Carolina fan, if you're the coaches, that's kind of what you have to hope for. Leakey's isn't really going to get better um, during the season. Like, you know, it he can manage it and it's something that he can probably play with, you know, for for a time. Um, but it's going to take the offseason for that to be one for him to be 100 percent healthy. So you have to consider that he's going to be 75 to 80 uh, percent maximum the rest of the year. Um, so get those two guys back and just try to figure, you know, figure out who you are, because right now I, I think they're trying to make their identity um, be Cole and then Armando and Garrison as far as, you know, the scoring load. That's kind of their their idea. You know, they go low to go low to go down low to Garrison, go down low to Armando and Cole hit shots from the outside. Um, but with Cole out, you know, I think Carolina fans need to start readjusting their expectations if he does miss a significant amount of time. Um, that this is maybe not even an NCAA tournament team without him. I don't think that's too much of a stretch at all based upon what we've seen. Um, so you would like to see uh, growth from Anthony Harris and growth from Jeremiah Francis, which who I think both did some good things the last couple of games. Um, I think that's what you look for moving forward. And maybe the grad transfers get a little more comfortable as the season goes along. But um, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of hope there right now. And I don't mean to, uh, you know, be, be that guy because I'm usually very um, temper, you know, very, calm when it comes to this stuff but uh yeah i just just there's not a lot of reason for optimism right now because they couldn't score with cole anthony and cole anthony is out and yeah i, I just don't know where they're going to turn to for points moving forward 
Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, though, about Francis and Harris being very unproven, untested guys right now. Let's discuss them in just a second, but let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. The holidays are literally right around the corner. If you need any last-minute gift ideas for the Tar Heel fan in your family, head on down to Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street, where they have been in business for decades. They have the absolute best customer service, and they have a huge range of Tar Heel gifts, apparel, whatever you could want. If you can't make it to Franklin Street, you can always shop at JohnnyT-Shirt.com to get the same great selection and the same great customer service. And also remember that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your order either there in store or online at JohnnyT-Shirt.com. You can get that 10% off code from the Basketball Premium Message Board or the Tar Pit Premium Message Board. So that's Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. Sean, speaking about Francis and Harris, I think that of the two, Harris actually impressed me a little bit more in this particular game, but Francis was, was able to chip in with three assists, only one turnover. So do you think that those two guys would be capable of potentially helping out with UNC scoring woes because they just need to be able to run the offense. I, I, it's almost flabbergasting that they cannot get this offense down, but those guys have had such little time to practice. How do you think their getting up to game speed will impact UNC? I think it'll definitely help, and it adds two more pieces. Uh, I think after the UVA game, they both showed you know some some strong signs. And I mean, for Francis, he hasn't played basketball in two years. Um, and I, I think going forward, you'll start to see them grow a little bit more each game. I, I don't think they're going to be the ones that are going to be doing the scoring that is necessary, but I do think they might be able to put other people in better position to score. Uh, I mean, today I think there is plenty of examples where the you know there are bad passes thrown to the bigs, or the bigs are getting the ball in kind of a bad bad area. Um, and I think ideally they can help with that. You know, I think Francis is he's a true point guard. You know, he's not going to kill you from the outside, and I think he's going to have trouble finishing at the paint, which he was able to do when he was last playing AAU, but. He does see the floor well, and he can penetrate and put pressure on the defense. So I think as he gets more comfortable and hopefully he can stay healthy, I, I think it'll make at least scoring opportunities a little easier for others. Now, whether or not those are converted is a different story, but I think he'll help. In terms of Harris, um, you know, love his athleticism. Uh, today, two points, uh, but I think he'll be able to similar to what we talked about last week, he'll be able to help in a, a variety of different ways on defense, attacking um, and, and crashing the glass a little bit as well with his athleticism. So I think overall it'll help. It'll help with the depth, help with the talent level, but they're not going to answer that scoring need that, that UNC does need, but hopefully they can at least create easier opportunities. All right. So looking past the Gonzaga game, which as you said, Sherelle is a game that, most people who follow college basketball are already marking down as a loss for UNC. Then they play against UCLA and Vegas, then home games versus Yale and home games versus Georgia Tech. So if Carolina is going to actually get a very important win, which I think they absolutely need to just get one at this point, where do you think it can come from? 
I, I have no answer to that, honestly, because I don't see how anyone can, you know, no disrespect to Wofford because they played well today, but they are not at the caliber of team or they're not the caliber of team that North Carolina's going to face in the ACC. Um, you know, UCLA has struggled, but, I, you know, I think they're as good or better than Wofford. Um, Yale has a, a couple of players who are decent. Um, and then you get into the conference season. So um, I can't say for certain without knowing who's going to be playing for North Carolina, like if they have a chance of actually winning these games. I mean, it it looks bleak and, um, you know, not trying not trying to sound dire or anything, but that's the reality is that they're they can't score and they're losing bodies from a team that couldn't score. And they're having to replace them with players who um, I, I guess, you know, aren't as talented or aren't as confident or just aren't as good overall. Um, and not only are they losing players from a team who couldn't score, they're losing players from a team that didn't have much depth to begin with. So I, I don't see how any reasonable person can say, oh, well, they should beat UCLA or they should beat Yale or they should beat Georgia Tech, I, you know, until they show that they can score, you know, 70 or 75 points in the game and not go through a six minute lull without um, scoring. I, I just I don't know. I don't know when the next win is. I, it's not easy to predict at all. What's your take on that, Sean? Do you think that UNC could actually be favored in any of these games? Or do you think, or which one do you think they actually have potentially the best shot at actually winning? Well, last week I thought they could pull the upset at Gonzaga. And uh, needless to say, that is my opinion has changed on, on that one. Uh, I mean, I think, as Rowe mentioned, if Cole is out, two weeks, three weeks, um, then everything I would say is a toss up. Um, but I, I do think UCLA is a very winnable game. Um, you know, they are kind of going through their own issues, new coach, um, you know, talent wise, they, they definitely have some, they're more, a more talented team than UNC, but you know, they're ranked in the one hundreds, uh, just lost at Notre Dame. So I, I think in Vegas, it definitely won't be like the last time Carolina was in Vegas playing Kentucky, which was one of the you know best regular season games I think most of us have seen um, between Monk and Jackson. But I, I'm going to go UCLA. Um, I mean, looking at the schedule, once again, they could probably lose all these games. I think they can win some of them. The good thing is that, you know, going by the Ken Palm rankings, they can go through the whole rest of this after Gonzaga, the whole rest of December and into late January of not playing a team ranked uh, 60 or higher. So they play NC State, who's ranked 35th end of January, and then BC 131st, February 1. So they do have a very long stretch where they hopefully can start to figure things out. But, you know, it's, it's one thing to not be able to do it against UVA and Ohio State, who have two of the top defenses in the country. And then it's another thing to not be able to do it at home against Wofford, uh, where you have a significant size advantage. All right, let's take a last commercial break. And when we get back, let's go ahead and wrap up the talk about the current season and start moving and looking ahead to the recruiting and the holiday tournaments. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. 
Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire now streaming on Paramount Plus. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Seeley here with Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran. So, Sherelle, I mean, do you have any final thoughts, I guess, on this team right now? Or is it just too big of a question mark surrounding Cole Anthony? And we should go ahead and just move on to the recruiting talk. I would just urge Carolina fans, um, you know, just re- readjust your expectations based upon not only the injuries, but also what you've seen on the court so far this year. Um, they're a third of what third of the way through the season. And, you know, I think it's fair to say they kind of are where they are at this point. Obviously there's plenty of time to get better. Uh, but you know, like I said, I, I think you should just re readjust and, um, start changing your goals about what you expect from this team. Like if it's currently constructed, if this team makes the NCAA tournament, I think that will be a victory for UNC. I would agree definitely with that. I think just, you know, for me, what I'm looking for, I mean, I think today Armando just had, uh, he just had a bad game. You know, everybody, everybody has those. So I'm going to be looking forward to seeing how he bounces back. I mean, going forward, he's the most talented player on the team um, until Cole returns. And he's going to be, you know, especially if, you know, as we move into the recruiting talk, um, you know, you go back to the team that played in the, the NIT and, you know, you had a returning Henson and Zeller. So you had a few pieces mixed in with all the recruits coming in that kind of gave everybody hope. And ideally, you know, Armando is one of those pieces that can fit in next year. So for me, it's kind of hopefully seeing his improvement and his bounce back. But then the other thing, uh, you know, I, I know we've kind of harped on the grad transfers, but we haven't really talked about Brandon Robinson at all and he was a guy we talked about last year as you know he was playing well in in spurts but a guy that you know was never asked to score in double digits and now he's kind of being being tasked with that and he had 16 against Wofford but you know really kind of after the Oregon game I'd say three subpar games um and I think for him he you know if he can pick up his play, that can definitely help the team going forward. And he's going to have to pick it up as one of the seniors. Um, you know, I think at the end of the game, him settling, you know, going for a contested, you know, two, you know, deep two versus a three at the end of the game was kind of a mistake. Um, and I think for him, he he kind of needs to take more of a leadership role and, and up his performance because uh, he had three good games at the beginning in the battle of Atlantis. And now he's, he's kind of been on, on a downhill slide the last three. So he's a guy that I want to see uh, kind of take a, take a leap um, going forward. Hopefully Robinson can up his level of play that will help out tremendously with UNC, just having a real lack of scoring there from the shooting guard, small forward position. But I think we've gone ahead and beat this dead horse as much as we can guys we'll just have to see about Cole Anthony's status, see what, what result happens in that Gonzaga game. And then how UNC responds against UCLA right after that. But let's go ahead and shift our focus over to the recruiting where the next couple weeks actually have a ton of high school basketball tournaments. And there's going to be a fair number of UNC prospects 
playing in those games. So let's go ahead and start with you, Sherelle. So which of the tournaments are you really looking forward to, and which ones do you think UNC fans need to be keeping a close eye on? Uh, so there are a couple, um, really, I-, I would say three main ones. Um, the City of Palms Classic in, down in Fort Myers in Florida is one of the preeminent ones in the country, I'd say, uh, along with two other ones that we'll mention later. Um, but Carolina has a few targets there. Uh, Dayron Sharp will be playing in that uh, UNT commit. He's with Mount Verde Academy. Uh, R.J. Davis and Archbishop Stepanek will be playing as well, another uh, UNC signee. Uh, and then Kennedy Chandler, who, um, you know, is North Carolina's point, lone point guard offer in 2021. He actually will be playing against Davis on the first day of the tournament, which I believe is Wednesday, Sean, if that's correct. Yep. Um, and then the other two that uh, really uh, catch our eye, the Chick-fil-A Classic in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, that one's not as heavy with UNC uh, targets and commits and signees, but Puff Johnson um, is scheduled to play in that. And then the big one in Raleigh is the John Wall uh, Holiday Invitational. And um, that one, again, will have Mount Verde, which is Dayron Sharp, uh, UNC signee, um, as well as Hillcrest, which has Puff Johnson, too. And that's right there in the triangle, along with a couple of uh, really good other schools. So those are the three, I think, that we keep our eye on the most. What about you, Sean? Are you going to be viewing any of these or following any closer than others? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, the City of Palms, this will be after... 10 years in a row of going to it second year in a row. I won't be able to, unfortunately, but uh, you know, the games are broadcast on flow sports. I think most people probably didn't have the best flow sports experience watching uh, the UNC, UNC Wilmington game, but it is a, a good way to see uh, some of the future UNC players, as well as some of the targets that have been starting to form in the junior class. So, you know, that Wednesday first game, uh, you know, RJ Davis versus Kennedy Chandler will be a good one, which Cheryl mentioned. Uh, and then the other guy, pa- uh, Paolo Banchero, is uh, one of the other juniors that will be playing there. Um, Roy was out to see him recently. He's a big guy that can really shoot the ball. And then, you know, the, the sophomore class is one that we haven't really discussed, and UNC definitely hasn't really begun to focus on, but Jalen Duran is a big man out of Roman Catholic in Philadelphia, and he'll be playing in that tournament as well. So I would definitely stay tuned uh, to the City of Palms. It starts on Wednesday and goes through the 23rd. And that's, you know, in my mind, the the best or one of the best tournaments of the year. And then we'll be interested just to see how Puff Johnson does. Last week, we talked about his game and his struggles on national television. And a, a lot of it was due to kind of how the team was being run or or organized. And since then, Mike Bibby, who was a head coach, he stepped down. Uh, they had a game this weekend at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and they lost the game uh, to Brewster Academy, who's always very talented. But uh, I think they were winning the whole game, lost by two. I don't know what, what Puff, uh, what his final stats were, or how he actually played, but just the fact that they are actually competitive has to be a good sign. And, you know, it'll give UNC fans, especially those in the Carolina area, a chance to see him live and hopefully, you know, see something from him. Because I think, you know, once again, the wing spot will be interesting next year, despite all the talented players that we will have coming in. Let's talk about the Inside Carolina coverage, Sherelle. Do we know what um, tournaments IC will be looking at or following the, the most closely out of all these? Uh, John Wall, definitely. Um, you know, we'll have some coverage from the other ones, but, uh, you know, the the bulk of our coverage will be coming from John Wall just because 
it is in Raleigh, and then it has two UNC signees. Um, so expect live updates, expect stories, expect video highlights and interviews um, from that. And then the other ones, we'll, we'll kind of piece it together. But John Wall, I would encourage everyone to, to go. Um, it's a great event, um, always packed, always full, always a good time. Um, just a great event. So I would encourage everyone to, to buy a ticket and go watch some of these guys in person. I mean, there's so many players who folks have seen for the first time who go on to become NBA All-Stars or, you know, college All-Americans. They've seen them for the first time at John Wall. Just one more thing to add on the City of Palms. Uh, I think this week, a lot of people tuned in to watch uh, Dayron Sharp on national television go against the MAFA, and everybody saw an extremely talented Montverde team with a, a ton of high major Division One prospects. But uh, Sharp, um, you know, not not his best game, still recovering, uh, and he'll, hopefully he'll be in in kind of better shape and. Uh, we'll be able to show the skill set that we all got to see over the the summer and fall. So, once again, another another reason to uh, pay attention to the City of Palms coming up this week. Let me ask you guys this: If you are a fan, how do you get tickets to, to these events? Do you just go online, or are these like situations where you can just walk up? Because I've always wondered that, and especially for that John Wall tournament that that you were talking about, Sherelle. I mean, yeah, if if you're just trying to to go to that one, how do you go about actually getting a ticket? Um, I think you can walk up. I think they're also for sale on um, the website. I think it's holidayinvitational.com, I believe. Um, so one of the two ways, uh, but it, it does tend to sell out. So you have, if you're going to buy at the door, I think you probably have to get there a little bit early. Let's go ahead, guys, and wrap it up then with this. What are some of the prospects so far at, at the high school level that have really caught your eye from a UNC perspective, they can either be guys that are committed or guys that are in the uh, junior or below class. Let's just go ahead and wrap this up with a little bit of a look towards the future and get some names thrown out there for the UNC fan base. Sherelle, go ahead and start with you. Uh, well, let's, we can just go down uh, Roy Williams's visit list and or the coaching staff's known visit list for the last week, which was uh, Patrick Baldwin last week. Uh, then they went and saw Paolo Benchero. Um, out in Seattle. Uh, and then they went and saw Kennedy Chandler in Memphis. And then Steve Robinson uh, by himself went and saw Harrison Ingram in Dallas, Texas. And I know Sean loves Ingram. And he's he's one of those guys who is probably on the UNC radar and due for a Roy Williams visit and offer here within the next month or so. Uh, I would say Christian Lander is another one of those guys who is due for uh, a Roy Williams in-person eval. I think he had made plans to go um, next weekend, I believe, uh, they play in Evanston, Indiana, and they actually play Caleb Love, uh, 2020 uh, UNC commit or signee Caleb Love plays Lander. So I think that's a game that the UNC coaching staff has circled, one, to see Love, but also um, to evaluate Lander some more. So I, I, those are the guys, kind of the main targets, I think, uh, for UNC right now in 2021. And like Sean said, in 2022, it's so early. Um, and we know that Carolina rarely – um, goes more than a couple classes down as far as offers are concerned. So I, I don't think they've really formed a 2022 board just yet because um, the 2021 is just now kind of getting uh, where it needs to be. So really just watching more 2021 guys who kind of come on the radar and then obviously checking with what might happen if they have a scholarship open up as far as 2020 um, decommits or 2020 guys who are let out of their uh, national letters of intent and also uh, grad transfers uh, coming up in the spring. All right. Final thoughts are yours, Sean. 
what are some names of guys that have stuck out to you so far this high school season that UNC may be looking at already? Yeah, well, I think we're we're starting to see who they're really prioritizing in that uh, 2021 class. So they have three offers out, and those are the the three players that Trill mentioned and Roy Williams was able to see last week. I mean, I think really all three of those, uh, you know, pretty much every all, all the high major, you know, blue bloods have thrown their hat into the ring already for those guys, plus the local schools. So it'll be interesting to see how those start to trend. Um, you know, I think in terms of Chet Holmgren and Ingram, those will probably be the next two players in the class that are offered. And uh, Cheryl mentioned, you know, kind of my thoughts on Ingram. And to go back when I first saw the, ver- the very first time I saw him, I, I was kind of like, what, you know, what, what does UNC see in this guy? Uh, but then watching him more and more really became a fan of his game and and how he plays. I think, uh, one other player to add, not that there's been a lot of, uh, you know, motion with him from a UNC perspective, but Jabari Smith, who is rated top five or six in the class, um, six, eight, kind of a, a four, three, I'd say from, from Georgia, a uh, really smooth player. And, you know, I, I could see him potentially starting to get some, some interest, but he's a guy that I've been following pretty closely and uh, enjoyed watching during the summer. So I think, you know, really, especially over the holiday time, I know this this year might be a little different in terms of the the attention paid to the the team with the struggles. But I know this is a time that Roy really likes to get out and um, you know get to some of the games. He's usually at the City of Palms as well as all the other tournaments. So it'll be interesting to track uh, going forward who he's watching and and what's going on from a recruiting perspective. Absolutely, guys. Well, I really appreciate the information. Thanks a lot for talking to me tonight, and we'll speak again next Sunday for our weekly Coast to Coast podcast. For this one, you guys have a good rest of the night. All right, you too. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, brought to you by T-Shirt.com. where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.